0: choir directors are creative resourceful dedicated and sometimes completely out of ideas not to worry the choir ninja podcast is here with solutions you never saw coming get ready for some training wisdom and inspiration from the masters let ryan guth guide your journey to becoming a choir ninja Today's episode is brought to you by SightReadingFactory.com. Do you hate teaching sight singing? Do you have a carbon footprint the size of Sasquatch because you run off endless sheets of sight singing examples only to hear your students groan in agony when it's time to sight sing in rehearsal? SightReadingFactory.com is a web-based tool that will compose custom sight reading examples based on specifications that you choose. Your choir will actually enjoy sight singing and so will you. Plus, you will get back hours of your life and finally feel like the choir ninja you were destined to be. If that isn't cool enough, you can add student accounts that link directly to your teacher dashboard so your kids can practice or even take recorded assessments from home. As a sponsor of this show, SightReadingFactory.com has an exclusive deal just for you, Choir Nation. When you purchase their insanely affordable one-year subscription, you will unlock 10 free student accounts just for using the promo code NINJA at checkout. That's Ninja, N-I-N-J-A. So head over to SightReadingFactory.com. That's SightReadingFactory.com. And don't forget to use the promo code NINJA at checkout to unlock your 10 student accounts absolutely free.
1: What's the best part about being a ninja? The gear. It's the nunchucks, the katanas, the throwing stars. It's the same for choir ninjas. The difference between an ordinary and a masterful performance may come down to your most basic and essential piece of equipment, your music folder. My Music Folders creates a superior product, and they do it with a smile. And because they are friends of the podcast, they have a killer deal for you right now. Get the bulk purchase price break without having to buy in bulk. So whether you have to restock your entire classroom or you just need to replace a few folders, you will get the best possible pricing on the best possible product. So, like a ninja, sneak on over to MyMusicFolders.com and use the code NINJA when you check out. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Stevie Berryman, and with me is your host...
0: Ryan Guth.
1: Welcome to the Choir Ninja podcast. We are here today to talk to you about whom do you serve? We talk a lot about music, and a lot about teaching, and a lot about preparation, but none of it matters if you don't have an audience. So that's the topic today.
0: So who do you serve is a uh, kind of a biblical reference, right? Like the master, you can't serve two masters type of thing.
1: Right. It says quite wisely that you will hate the one and love the other. A servant cannot serve two masters.
0: And and the reason this came up is because you know, I had a conversation um, with Catherine DeHoney of Course America, the president and CEO of Course America, on the last podcast, and one she actually brought up the the term "Who do you serve?" Uh, and we were already even thinking about doing a podcast like this, but when she brought that term up in the 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 last interview, I was just like, "Okay, now we now we have to do it." And
1: right, it, this is kind of where our our worlds have always merge together even though musically we don't do a lot of things together ryan and i on um, this one concept this is where we've always found our common ground
0: right this is the thing that we both do well is is help people figure out who they serve and then how to go at how to really go at them with a laser focus uh to accomplish so that you can accomplish the goals for your your ensemble or your program or, or whatever um and it's it's such an essential question for a choral ensemble to ask or any musical ensemble to ask in light of potential deficits and funding issues, and or or maybe you're a startup ensemble and you need to gain an audience or figure out what your niche is. And I think that's that's kind of the reason behind the sort of who do you serve because everybody kind of tends to look at maybe imitating successful ensembles when they first begin. And I think that's totally fine. And if you read Austin Kleon's book, Steal Like an Artist, you'll, you'll definitely, um, you know, that, that, that notion is validated a little bit. But um, at, at some point, you have to gain your own identity. And who do you serve is, is probably the, one of the most essential, if not the most essential questions to ask It itself. is.
1: And it's usually the last one people ask if they if they get around to asking it at all.
0: It's hard, and, right? It's a hard well, question. It, it takes like, it takes time thinking with yourself. And it's well, it's a hard question
1: to it's a hard question to answer. But it's a harder one if uh, the longer you've been working together as a group and performing shows or concerts or whatever. The longer you've been together and not actually looked at this, the the more Kind of anxiety producing it is. Um, I'm not sure if choir, I, I don't know why Choir Nation would know this, but one thing that I do in the handbell world is I'm a creative consultant. I help community handbell choirs plan concerts. They hire me to come in and I, I look at what they have and what their budget is and what their goals are and we plan a show together. And it's its not the, the big successful choirs that that hire me so much, I mean, I've got kind of like a wide range, but the ones that, that really get me, the, the ones that are, are, are saying we will do anything you say, (laughs) the ones that are my, my perfect clients are the ones that say, we just played the best show we have ever played. And there weren't 50 people in the audience and, and we need to change something, you know, we, we need to do something. So that's that question of like, we already know how to do the music. Now, now how do we find that audience? That's the question. Right. Who do you serve? And one of the first questions that I ask is I say, so I've never heard of you, why should I come to your concert? Right. And, and that, it, it takes that takes
0: a lot of it takes a lot of thought. Um, and it's a very uncomfortable question for a lot of people, I'm sure.
1: Right. Well, in the next the answer usually is something like, well, we're a very good handbell choir. And my answer is, well, I don't care.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, right, there is an <laughs> abundance of great, right. of great musical ensembles out there. And there, and actually we hit on this, uh, on the last episode, there's an, but ab- we have an abundance of choice these days. I can go on Facebook events and I've been invited to 12 concerts, you know, every weekend Absolutely. for the last six years. <laughs> you know, So, um, why should I come and see yours? And, um and I guess maybe one of the things that, that that you said earlier that makes me ask this this sort of follow up question to you is um you were you were saying that I guess the longer you've been together the, together the harder it gets um do you feel as though when when you've been together for so long and then you finally have to ask yourself this question are you feeling like by answering it, you're potentially alienating people that you do, you have served in the past?
1: I I don't think that's the issue as much as just some kind of unavoid, unavoidable and ugly sort of self-reflection on like, on the issue of of why do I do these concerts? I've, I've been telling myself it's, you know, to, to share the joy of what I do, but maybe I've just been doing these because I like to perform. And it's really been about what I enjoy and not really about my audience because I haven't really thought of them. So I, that's that's kind of a hard thing to swallow if you've been doing it for a while.
0: Now, if you take a group like, um, I had mentioned this on the last podcast, Jonathan Palance, Dallas Street Choir. Is he serving his audience? I mean, he's not really serving his audience. He's actually serving hes serving a, a homeless uh, folks in, in, in Dallas. Um,
1: right. And I think that's why this question of who do you serve is, is a key question. It's not the same thing as who is your audience. Because mm-hmm. we've kind of talked about that before. Yeah, about, I think we've
0: talked that about audience a lot. care. Yeah.
1: Right. We've we've gone into how important that is and, and why you should take care of your audience and, and, and different ways to show your audience that you're thinking of them. I think we've covered that. Um who do you serve is a much broader question, and there's no judgment implicit in this question. Because if you are a church choir director, um, you need to know who you serve, and it may be different answers at different times. Maybe in rehearsal, you're serving, um, your answer is different than who you're serving when you're in worship versus who you're serving when you're in concert.
0: What? and so as I, the teacher, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's right the students, then it's stakeholders potentially. And we, like, like, uh, in Justin Cathol's episode, you know, about proactive music education advocacy, um, um you do really need to understand who who it is that you that you serve at a certain point because they're the ones who make decisions about your program uh as well exactly. so 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 I guess who do you serve changes based on whether it's a a rehearsal a performance um or whether it's a gosh or it's a event another type of event fundraiser right or well or something what if like you as well?
1: if you're going to contest, I mean, that's a, the, your show is, is tailored to serve, you know, what the judges want to see. I mean, it's very specific. Um, your audience is, it's a very, very small number of people. Um, and that's who you're, you're aiming to serve. You could look at it in a broader sense that you're doing this in order to serve your students because they are learning these skills or because they're getting these scores or, or whatever, but I think it's an important question. And I think it's the question that always keeps us honest as directors.
0: So how do you think we can go about beginning to answer that question?
1: Oh, I love lists. I love journals. I, I, I love the, the, I, I love, I have a different notebook for everything that I do. And I love to be able to write in it at the top of the page in Sharpie, um, the thing that I need to remember Mm -hmm. my one thing, if you've read the book, you know, whatever your one thing is, and you have to figure that out for yourself. Um, but to help keep me focused and, and sometimes it's good to have the big picture idea of, of who do you serve, but that's what's going being able to answer that question is what's going to help you pull out what's genuinely important in your in your rehearsal that day or in your class session, that's, what's going to help you being able to focus on, on that. Who do you serve? What's the one thing that's important for them?
0: So I tend to ask myself the question of like, I am my best self when, um, or like, I feel like I am my best self when this thing happens or when I do this or, or my ensemble is their best when, you know, I think that's a really good idea um, to ask yourself and ask of your ensemble uh, to to sort of figure out um, who maybe who maybe who you're meant to serve because I think that's a thing too because you can choose to serve a, a specific type of of, of person, but um, maybe sometimes you know we're not self aware enough to understand when we're really making an impact. Um, you know that, that that's beyond what we want. To make, uh, does that make any sense to you?
1: It does. It does, um, and I think it's important to look at that um, from that perspective. It's an interesting question, though, because you can also look at you can also look at it from a from a different perspective. You can look at that question as a producer of art. Who do I serve? Um, but it's also interesting to to look at a group. Um, that you're not a part of, that maybe you're a consumer of what they produce um, and say, well, why is it that when I have so many options, like you said, of concerts to go to, uh, why, why, what is it about this group that's bringing me out right. to see them? Right. Cause you're being served in some way. There, there's something there that's bringing you. Like I, I saw this great concert last night. It was fabulous. This group in Houston called Brass Beats professional brass quintet plus drum kit um so they do i I think their little tagline is something like from um bop to blues and back again or or something like that Mm -hmm. and they are brilliant musicians however in houston it is not hard to hear brilliant musicians like my parents came to that concert because i told them how great it was but they actually went to see the houston symphony at a matinee that afternoon so they heard gil shaham on violin and then that evening came to hear brass beats because Houston is that thick with amazing music. Sure. So there's any day of the year you can hear amazing music. Um, so the idea of, of why do you show up, you know, what makes you get out of your house and actually go and show up? I, I think that's an important question to ask. And I think um, when you look at it in the context of this, Wh- whom do you serve? I think that as musicians, it's important that we are consumers as well as producers. I think by going and showing up, we are serving a larger arts community mm-hmm. where we are. Well, and- you're,
0: also, you're also helping to answer questions about yourself too. Um, but what draw, like you're saying, what draws you to that type of concert? Cause it seems as though, musical artistry is, is or high, maybe high level musical artistry is becoming more commoditized than, than ever at this point. Um, that, so it's going to, it's going to take more than high standards to, to get butts in seats. So, uh, I mean, that's the, right. We were talking right. about that a little bit with Catherine on Tuesday in that, um, um, you know, if 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 our goal is to is to get people to come out and see the concert, um, our values and mission statement is going to need to be more than provides high level choral singing to the <laughs> blank community. I mean, because like, I mean, I'm sure the handbell community is the same way. It's like our mission statement oh, yeah. is to provide. Ha, the highest artistic excellence, bullcrap. Like to
1: expand and promote our art form, right? Yes. It's like That's blah what blah blah. St- right.
0: Stick, yeah. I mean, I stick my finger in my throat and vomit. Uh, you know, you know, when I when I when I read those mission statements, because like that doesn't tell me anything about your choir, who you serve. It doesn't tell me I'm not I don't know if I'm going to have a fun time or whether you know I'm going to show up and you're going to be in a cravat in a dicky drinking a, a perrier <laughs> with a monocle wait, wait wait
1: wait wait wait. You can't be in both of those things at the same time. Oh. Just, like they don't know
0: you you can't cravat and dicky at the same time. No, I guess you can't.
1: Well, I guess I, uh, I don't even want to know. Well,
0: either Very, way, either way, I'll just
1: look it up and put it in the show notes. I'll let you know if you like can do it that.
0: sound It doesn't sound approachable. It doesn't sound. I mean, it's almost like rewriting your bio, like from from last year. Um, does your mission st- is your mission statement like approachable and and, and friendly? I mean, um, you know, you have these these organizations. Every new choir, I feel like you know, is wants to promote the choral art through the highest artistic excellence, blah blah blah. And and but like if everybody does that, then artistic excellence becomes a commodity. And of course it's important, but like, yeah, but what else are you doing? Um and that's what that's what we need to focus on, is that like, yeah, let's just let's just say that you're great. Good for you. You you're your your people sing in tune. You know, uh, you've, you've got great phrasing. You understand the text. Okay. Awesome. What else? And it's almost like going back to what you're saying with, um, um, you know, there's a survey that you ask your, your, your clients when you consult for them. Um, why should I show up? Why should I care? Um, I think it's that second half of the question. Yes. Let's say your artistic stuff is in place. Okay. Let's talk about everything else.
1: Well, and forget live music performances between just music on demand and watching videos on YouTube. And then all the people who are live streaming concerts, why would you ever leave your house? I mean, there's got to be a really compelling reason to get you actually out and to show up. Right. Right?
0: I can listen to a great performance of any choir piece I want on YouTube. I can... Sure. Right. I can relive a Contous concert you know, on, on Blu-ray, I'm sure if I want to, but.
1: A very strong argument can be made for the fact that recorded music can be far more perfect than a live performance.
0: Absolutely. You can do take after take and you can edit in and all this sort of stuff. But like, I mean, of course there's nothing like the, the vibrations bouncing off of your eardrums. I mean, there's nothing like that, of course. So being in front of it is, is so much more, um, um, appealing than putting headphones on i'm sure but but yeah like you saying, you're saying you here you are in houston you could have great music any day of the week but the thing that's going to get your butt out of the chair is is more than just great music so wh- what are some examples of organizations that you know of stevie um that do something outside of of just being great like blatantly do something outside of just being great.
1: Well, I can tell you the groups that appeal to me, the ones that I show up for the ones that actually make me get out and, and go and show up. And I'll, since I already talked about brass beats uh, once, I'll, I'll tell you, why did I go to this one? Why did I show up? It's I've seen them perform before and they have a very strong educational component to what they do. So, their shows are very much appropriate for families, um, even even young children would have a lot of fun. Mostly because it's brass and it's loud and it's lots of fun. But also they very, I think they're very good at selecting their repertoire because everything is fairly short. There's really not much that's going to be over five minutes. They take turns throughout the members of the group introducing the different songs. And they use the different songs to highlight different instruments.
0: So it feels personal, I guess, right?
1: Everything is very personal. A lot of it is kind of off the cuff, but uh, everything it's a very close-up sort of experience. You really get to see what they do. They stand the whole time, which I think is interesting. You don't normally see a tuba player stand for an hour long concert playing tuba you don't normally see the french horn player standing for an hour long concert right so that's clearly a choice that they have made and by standing instead of sitting behind their music stands where you can't really see their instruments by standing up uh, they've made everything much more visual which is very cool and different instruments would be highlighted by different pieces so you really got to know the people in the group and you got to know what their specific instrument sounds like and why it's different from the others. Beyond, well, a trombone is lower than a trumpet and a tuba is lower than a trumpet. Beyond that, you got to hear the different tonalities. You got to hear the different colors um, and see what their functions were in it. I'm an educator. And and this was a concert that I was bringing my daughter to. That to me is something that I'm going to show up for. That serves me as somebody who who music is important to me, music education is important to me, music education is particularly important to me as a mother and, and what I'm bringing my kids to. So I love concerts like that, um, and that's the kind of thing that I show up for. There were a lot of other things I could have gone to, um, but I showed up for that one because it's that's they were serving what I needed. I wanted double helpings. They were awesome.
0: That's great. <laughs> Well, so, so I mean, it, 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 there's really no sort of silver bullet formula to, to answering this question. And, and I'm, if anybody's sitting here waiting for, for the, the one, two, three bullet points on how to figure out who you serve, um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to give them to you. I think really this is, this is really meant to be a thought-provoking episode. Right.
1: And I think it's a good thing that there's not a one size fits all because there's, there's room in the sandbox. You know, we can all play. There's, there's, there's room. Um, There's not a one size fits all because there's not one answer that's right for everybody. Exactly. Groups are going to do different things. Different people want to hear different things. You're going to want to go to see different things. Um, And that's fabulous. That's wonderful. I think being able to answer this question helps us actually kind of tease out and highlight those differences, rather than just, um, well, I don't know how many. What's the limit? How many musical ensembles can claim that they are the premier whatever ensemble for their city? Like, right? Is that, <laughs> that I'm sure they won't well, right. write again. tagline
0: <laughs> that shadows everybody's mission statement. <laughs> so, if your if your mission statement says that you are your city's premier such and such height of artistry. (laughs) Maybe it merits going back to your board or going back to your members or going back to whomever and saying, and
1: yeah, maybe there's something more specific that we do. Right. What else? You know,
0: right. And and, yeah, there's, okay. And I can give an example. Go ahead.
1: Because I know now if people go, well, if I can't be the premier or whatever, what am I going to do now? Um, for Houston Chamber ringers, our tagline is bring the ring. Okay. And it's bring the ring because one of our found one of our foundational pillars of our group is that we want to bring handle music from this very small niche to a wider audience. So every year we are trying to bring music to people who have never heard it before. So it is literally. Bring the ring. We don't perform in churches because people in churches have already heard handbells, so that's why we go out. We bring the ring to where people are who have never heard us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's our mission, and so that's our tagline.
0: So, what if you don't have a Stevie on your board? You need to get one, like with I mean, because I mean that's gr- that's brilliant. Bring the ring is is brilliant, and I and I wonder if there's people out there that are like, man, I don't, I don't think like that. What are they going to do?
1: Oh, you know, but okay. So maybe you're not that person, but you know, that person, there's somebody in your circle, there's somebody in your group that is going to come up with something that you never thought of that's going to be brilliant and it's going to perfectly fit. There's somebody, there's somebody that, you know, so, you know, you get, you're going to need to talk about it. That's why this is a great discussion prompt.
0: You know, nope. it's funny. I was listening to a podcast recently, a different podcast that was talking about self awareness, and they were saying, you know, you need to one of the steps to sort of becoming self aware is take the assumptions that people have about you, and then ask people that are close to you, like if they're true.
1: Oh, ah. uh, you
0: know, like like so, and I'm wondering if that might be, you know, like somebody says, um. You know, people think I'm a jerk at work, but they don't understand. They don't understand who I really am. You know, and and then when he goes home and says to his his wife and his daughter, "Hey, people are saying this about me at work. Is this true?" And they're like, "Yeah, actually, it is." <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Right. You know, like <laughs> that's sort of the opening the door of of self awareness. You know, <laughs> and I'm wondering with your ensemble if you like sort of test the assumptions you have about your ensemble with with your audience or with people that are close to your ensemble or with your own members,
1: yes, you may see, get a little
0: more insight.
1: That's why this is so timely right now. Because let's face it, when you're in the weeds, in the thick of it, trying to prepare for a concert and it's two weeks out and you're still working on everything, you don't have time for these discussions. This is, you know use the summer. I mean, everyone I know likes to take a break during the summer. Most groups do. I don't know a whole lot of groups that perform continuously through the summer. Most of them take at least a month off. Um, But, you know, use that time. Get together and go out to eat or something, you know, go get in the pool or whatever. Uh, But use that time to just kind of talk about these identity questions, these branding questions, um, the big general direction questions. We start the year off uh, with a retreat every fall, mm-hmm. and um, the it's a Friday night Saturday retreat, and the Friday is always it's meetings and it's long meetings. I mean, we'll we'll be in three or four <laughs> hours of meetings. But they're full group meetings, not just our board, but they're full membership meetings. Everyone's there. And we talk about the goals we have as a group, the things that we've done that we really like and that work And we want to we do more of that thing. Things that, you know, last year we're going, oh, I hope we never have to do that event again. Um, and we talk about the big picture items. We talk about where do we want to be this year? Where do we want to be in five years? What are, what are our big goals? Um, And then afterwards we play dumb games with dental lip retractors and that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And then Saturday is about rehearsal, but we, we do the meeting part first. That's, that's a big part of the retreat. We could actually rehearse any other time, but it's, it's nice to get away from the normal, like, like don't have this meeting. If you're going to do it as a formal meeting, don't have it in your rehearsal space, right? Go somewhere else. Even if it's the same building, just a different room. Go somewhere where you can sit comfortably and and face each other. If you can be around a table, that's great. Um, make sure everybody gets to contribute to the discussion in some way, even your quiet people. Make sure that they have a chance to be heard. Um, yes, and, and and also you can
0: you can do this as a an educator too. I mean, this is not just for community ensembles or nonprofit ensembles or whatever. This is this these are essential questions that you can ask your choir members, if you're in a, in a middle school or a high school setting, you know, because there are people in your community who you can serve. There are, you know, um, every community has a, a whole different makeup. So um, there are, you know, again, a high school choir can be awesome and sound great and all that sort of stuff, but, like, they should also have the and as well and and yeah sure it's like you can you can have you can have your cake and eat it too you can have an awesome educational experience that serves kids but you can also kill two birds with one stone and with a little extra have a program that serves your community too and serves maybe some real need in your community as well
1: if you're aware if right. you go into you it with know, awareness yeah. yeah if you go into it with that intention absolutely you can have that There's no reason why you can't, but it doesn't usually happen accidentally.
0: I I agree. Well, uh, so that's been the theme uh, is this sort of proactivity, um, awareness, uh, serving. I mean, this is like, we, we're really sort of, we've been on this, uh, uh, for a while. I mean, even in the so awkward series that we did, um, you know, finished up last month, um, Uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with taking your audience into consideration and serving and serving them. Um so this theme has come up a lot on the choir ninja podcast. So so you know it's and it's coming up for a reason. It's coming up because in the twenty first century, gosh, and we're getting close to a quarter of the way through the twenty first century, the abundance of choice is out there and what's gonna what's gonna separate, you know, the the the, the people that wear the big boy pants or or whatever is, is the level of focus um, within an ensemble um, and intention within an ensemble as well.
1: Well, I, and I think that's the key it's at this point, a lot of people know what they need to do to make great music, but um, we're kind of to the point where we're so saturated as a culture, as a country in, in uh, uh, we're saturated in, in beauty, we're, we're saturated in greatness. We're saturated in what used to be unimaginable. I mean, the level of musicianship that we have nowadays, phenomenal. Our ability to share that with other people. It's just a click on Facebook, share this video of this 11 year old violin prodigy That's amazing. It's amazing that we can get to do that. And that's wonderful. But being surrounded by so much of the exemplary of the, of the superlative, it kind of makes it all the more important to find out, well, well, what is it that, that I have to give, um, I need to find I need to find my audience because if you have something that that you go this is what I'm supposed to be doing I'm supposed to be making this music and you know what I found this group of people um, and we're all together now and we're all making this music together and it's great it would sure be nice to be able to share that with somebody it would sure be nice for that to be um, something that gets shared on Facebook or on YouTube if that's if that's what your goal is. It's just like the more, the easier it is to find something wonderful, the harder it is for our individual voices to be heard. And then the more we have to think about the delivery of our art and not just the art itself. Maybe maybe there was a time where you could just be a good singer. (laughs) You know, honestly, looking back at YouTube on on people who were singing on TV in the seventies, maybe you didn't even have to be a good singer. Right? (laughs) Maybe you just just had to be an okay singer. Well, the Bee
0: Gees made it somehow, (laughs) so.
1: But now, I mean, that's really not, not a guarantee of anything. Talent and hard work and all of that, that's great. But there's so much out there that the preparation you put into your delivery of it, you know, whatever it's going to be, whatever medium you're using. I mean, that's, that's almost as important as your actual art.
0: Absolutely. Well, I I think Stevie has a great way to, to wrap this, this episode up. Um, Let's, let's just thank really quickly. And Stevie, you can help me. uh, Mymusicfolders.com. And SightReadingFactory.com, both are sponsors of this episode. Obviously, Choir Ninja, I'm sorry, Ninja is the promo code on both of those sites. Sight factory. believe me, if you want to learn music more quickly, if uh, your, your students, your choir, adults too, can learn how to sight read using SightReadingFactory.com. And you'll spend more time on your mission and less time learning music if people are musically literate. So that's a great tool. And if you use the promo code NINJA, you'll get 10 free student accounts um, or adult accounts if you want to use them for adults too.
1: I would actually like to know if there are any of our listeners who are using um, Sight Reading Factory in their church choir as a tool to improve musicianship and sight reading for their their church choir. Those old people don't want to
0: learn anything. They just want to come and bicker.
1: I disagree. I disagree. (laughs) I've been in churches where they host um, music theory classes and teach you how to read music. There are some churches where music is still a very important part of the life of that church. And if you're using it in a worship choir, in a church choir, um, leave us a message on Choir Nation, I'd really like to hear about that.
0: Yeah, go to the Choir Nation Facebook group and let us know uh, that you're that you're using it. That'd be really interesting. And if you are, um, I'm going to invite you on the podcast because that would be really great to to learn how um, you're teaching the old dogs new tricks, so to speak. Uh, and yeah, I'd like to hear about that too. Um, my music folders. We have John and Robin Rose, who are just the nicest. Devils in the world. They're so great. Um, They're owners of MyMusicFolders.com. They are helping me um, and helping Choir Nation through uh, the production right now of the Ultimate Choir Ninja Folder. Um, Another reason for you to go to Facebook and tell me what you want on your folder. Like, what would the Ultimate Choir Folder be? Come and join me uh, in the Choir Nation group and let me know. Because uh, they are literally going to make prototypes for Choir Nation, uh, which I think is, that so, is cool. so cool. <laughs> I, I think it's amazing. Um, but with their promo code, they will give you last column pricing, which means the, the price that's reserved for people who order over 100 folders. Um, for any order that you make, you can get last column pricing with a promo code Ninja. So head on over there. And uh, to mymusicfolders.com dot com, and use that budget. You know, you're. Believe me, if if you're out to serve people, and you use music when you serve them, and and what the visual is is everything. When people look at your choir, they make judgments, and if you well, don't have matters. awesome folders, then then some of that visual appeal goes away. And they're like, man, why are they using those messed up binders from 1976 when they could have these awesome folders in their program? So, uh, you, you know, you, you make one big purchase at the beginning and they'll last you for a very long time. And you only need to buy a couple a of couple, three every once in a while. So uh, that's it. All right. So Choir Nation, thank you. If you want the show notes for this episode, head on over to Ninja forward slash 108. We'll see you next Tuesday on the Choir Ninja podcast. Thanks, Stevie.
1: Had fun. Bye. Choir Ninja Show. Wa-bung-bung.